want you to do me a favor. I want you to tell all your friends about me. Suck in the guts, guys. We're the Ghostbusters. I am the one who knocks. It's my dark passenger. It was the best of times. It was the blurst of times. Don't call me Junior. I certainly hope this little incident hasn't put you off flying, miss. If you strike me down, I shall become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. Welcome to Talking Geek Episode 6. <laughs> it's funny that we uh, this is Episode 6, because we had five episodes that we recorded, what, four years ago? I couldn't have even told you what number we were on, so I'm glad you knew, because I didn't. <laughs> well, this is, we're basically relaunching this podcast, so my name Might is Danny. Might as well be Episode 1. My name is Heidi. We are a married couple that's into geeky things, all things pop culture, and that's what this podcast is. It's just things pop culture. It's whatever suits our fancy, whatever might be big at the, in the day and the time, whatever might not be big in the day and the time. Could be random Sundance Film Festival <laughs> well, movies. Could be whatever could the big be, blockbuster could, is. Well, it could be just anything. Like today we're going to talk about Tarantino. We know we want to talk about Ninja Turtle. Just anything and everything. Yeah. We're, we're a geeky couple and we want to, um, we're using the podcast as a time to sit down and, and talk together. So if you're new to the podcast, which, who are we kidding, everybody's new to this podcast since we haven't had very many episodes, we are are into movies, we like big blockbusters, we like action thriller movies, we like horror movies, Um, we like some of the more obscure horror horror movies and and some of the bigger ones, we like comic books, I'm a Marvel girl. Yeah, and we had five episodes previously, and I mean, I say previously, only like five years ago, and we got burned out pretty quick because... We sort of wanted that we, we we thought the show was going to be like a, a show covering like pop culture news and just discussing the news, but and we thought oh the news we, there's constantly new things to talk about there's always going to be content exactly but, but we, you know what a lot of other places cover that content too yeah exactly we got burned out pretty quick because we 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 were just covering a lot of the news that we already read like because yeah. we keep up with news and we listen to podcasts about, about we're not going to be first movies. to market we're not going to be the IGNs and the well, I don't, we're, we're not even trying to. No. So we just want to sit down. So you can get that news somewhere else. We're but, more going to be analytics and yeah. fun stuff. Well, yeah, we're just going to sit down and, as a couple, just talk. So we recently saw um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, both of us. We have we have two children, so we often go to the movies separately. Like, we'll go to the movies, um, we'll go to the same movie, but... I'll go by myself, and then you'll go the next night, or or vice versa. And what's funny about our rituals, I kind of like that we go separate, because then I can formulate my own opinions. So so Danny likes to go to the movie, and then on the drive home, he's already listening to reviews and personal opinions from other people. I hate that. I need a few days <laughs> to stew on the movie, to really think about it, to formulate my own opinion that I know is untainted by anyone else's review or opinion, and then I'll jump in and listen to other things. Well, maybe this podcast will fill some of that. Like, I don't have anybody else in my life really to talk a lot of this stuff about, so it's like, well, after I see a movie, and we're so busy, like, with um, with our, our everyday lives and kids that we don't talk, you know, our, like, part of the reason for this podcast, this is, like, so far, our discussion of, like, movies is, oh, did you like that movie? So we so we went and saw Tarantino, um, Tarantino's newest film. I believe his um, 
his 10th film if you count Kill Bill as two films, although Quentin Tarantino himself counts Kill Bill as one film, so he says he says that Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is his ninth film. But I, I think I treat um, uh, the Kill Bill movies separately. Um, I did too. Yeah, yeah. So and, and as far as that goes, I I have actually not seen all ten technically because I have not seen Grindhouse, and I've well I've tec- seen Sin City, but I haven't seen I. It's I don't even I don't count Sin City. Time. Sin City isn't even counted as like one of his movies. He directed like part of it, but like when he says he's directed nine films or ten, um, um, Sin City's not included in there. I think he just directed like you know like a five minute chunk in there. Mm-hmm. I think in that movie. And then the Grindhouse is he only directed the Death Proof half of the Grindhouse um, double feature, so mm-hmm. his 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 movie in there is called Death Proof, which it, it's okay. We have it we, we have it saved here. Um, and then I haven't seen Four Rooms. That's the other one that I have not seen. Did that, he just he just wrote that one, right? It's listed as a directed film on Wikipedia. Oh, I think it's a. Oh, I know what it is. Yeah, it's a short. I don't count that one either. And he doesn't. It's not one of his feature films. It's not one of his. Um, he he doesn't even. It's he it's a it's an anthology movie, and um, he directed, I believe, one of the four antho- like one of the four stories of that. I think I think Spielberg did the other one. Or maybe oh. I'm thinking of. I know uh, I might be thinking of um Tarantino did one of the four in that in the um the four rooms, but I actually might be thinking of the Twilight Zone movie because um. The Twilight Zone movie is also an anthology movie, and Steven Spielberg did one of the four of the shorts in that, but I actually don't know. I'm not sure who else did the other ones in Four Rooms. I don't either. Well, let's let's set that aside and dive into Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So we can start off with some general impressions. Did you like the film? Did you not like the film? Um, I guess I'll start. Yeah, I, go ahead. I enjoyed it. Um, you... Oh wait! Oh, I, I, I just looked it up. So Four Rooms is an anthology film, um, and it's by the four parts are by oh shoot, I just was here. Oh, by Quentin Tarantino, Robert Rodriguez, who directed um, Sin City, right? And then Alexandri Rockwell. I don't even know who that is. And, Al- and Allison San- and Allison Anders. So. Um, yeah, four rooms, nineteen ninety-five, and so Tarantino just did one of those. One okay. of those four. Apparently, his is called Penthouse, the Man from Hollywood. Okay. Quentin, written and directed by Quentin Tarantino, the penthouse is occupied by famous director Chester Rush and his friends, including Angela. Oh, this isn't a quick synopsis. I don't want to spoil myself if I ever do want to watch it. Um, okay. So, so there's yeah. So that's um, that's four rooms. So, what did you think of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? So, full caveat here, you saw it first, and after you saw it, you gave me a heads up and said, oh, by the way, this will be full of spoilers, so let's just throw that off the top. If you're listening to this, go see the film. Um, We will spoil the hell out of it, and we're not going to do, like, a spoiler-free section and a non-spoiler-free section. The whole thing's going to be spoilers. So, so anyway, you went and saw the film. You didn't give me any spoilers, but you did give me a heads up to at least be aware of um, the Charles Manson compound and kind of what went down with the, with Charles Manson and, and some of the history of that time period. And I was aware of Charles Manson and some of the things already, but I did a quick Wikipedia read through um, about the Sharon Tate murders before mm-hmm. I saw the film. You gave me the heads up to do that. You actually never mentioned Sharon Tate directly until like the day I was going to see it. And you're like, 
you, you, you read about Sharon Tate, right? I was like, yeah, I did. So, um, so anyway, that I had that information already because we were not born in the seventies, so you know, or even prior to that. So we. Although I'm surprised you 60s. are really into serial killers, so I'm surprised that you don't know, like, the ins and outs of the of uh, man's because you know a lot about Zodiac Killer and you know a lot about various um, different kind of so, tan- random tangent. You're considered a serial killer if you murder more than one person. That is true. And so the Sharon Tate murders were considered to be serial murders because more than one person was killed in the time frame. But I am much more interested in the serial murderer who murders across multiple people across multiple different occasions. Like one person here, one person there, stalking, that kind of thing. That's different from the scenario here with Manson, which is multiple murders that happen all like on the same night at the same time frame. Is it... Are so, the, is, I think, you did a little bit, I think you actually did a little more research than I did. Is the Manson murders, is it only, like, the Sharon Tate, like, was that the only night that, like, the murders are, um, that are attributed to, like, his clan? Or, um, because it's... That's really the only followers. one I read about, so I'm, I'm not sure if there were other murders after that or before that, but that's the only one I really read about. Okay. So, I couldn't tell you for sure. <laughs> but I, I, those are at least the ones that led to his arrest, so mm-hmm. my guess is I think those are the only ones, but, I, you know, I don't know. So, um... Getting back to the film, though, I enjoyed it. I really liked both Brad Pitt and um, Leonardo DiCaprio's characters. I thought Leonardo DiCaprio's character was very interesting. I liked how he was kind of an actor that had been been through his career as a villain and was trying to reinvigorate himself and, and you know, go off to, to Europe after his last um, like cowboy western flick. And I really liked, like, watching him interact with uh, the young girl in the cast. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I thought all that was very interesting. Although, like, it's it's front and center as the, the meat of the movie alongside Brad Pitt's, his his storyline. But at the end, the end has almost nothing to do with any of that. It just, it puts him in the place and the time to then um, have the murderers go to their own house. Well, it depends on how you think about it. So, actually, I'll, I'll get back to that in a second. Um, well, no, I'll, before I forget, I'll talk about that now. It, it kind of makes me think of the butterfly effect. Like, here is all of the butterfly effect that led to this alternate ending or you could think the murders happening here and not there. Or, well, that's if you sort of put the emphasis on the murders. If you sort of think about this as, like, a film, like, if you took that last chunk of the, like, the last, like, 20 minutes out, and the, it, it's like a character piece about Leonardo DiCaprio's... Yeah. Um, um, character and and Brad Pitt's and so you were saying like almost none of that's like relevant to the end of the movie. It's like um, it's it is is the emphasis put on like the the, the you, you you could say well the end of the movie makes does, is isn't relevant for the rest of the well I'd I'd prefer it to not be as tied to real events and real people then because it makes like we just we just rewatched Glorious Bastards and that has a very similar approach to rewriting history it's mm-hmm. rewriting the death of hitler mm-hmm. in a very dramatic way um and then it has hitler in it very much in the same way that it has sharon tate where you see behind the scenes of hitler but the way that hitler's um death is rewritten and the way that that history has changed is so dramatically different than what happened in real life mm-hmm. that it really does feel like a once upon a time this other story Sharon Tate is just kind of an ancillary character. She's the next door neighbor, and we we get some we follow her around a little bit, but it's different in that like the things that she's doing are inconsequential to what's happening with Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio's characters, 
versus in Inglorious Bastards, the things that, that Hitler's doing are directly related to what the other characters are doing. So it's it's different, and I guess I just, I'd either want Sharon Tate's character to be more involved or just not even there. I agree. It's, this and Inglorious Bastards is like the alternate history I think film. it's just done better in Inglorious Bastards, I guess, than it is in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I guess I, I don't enjoy the movie. I agree but... with you that I don't know how I feel about the um, the alternate history aspects of those films like because the revisionist history. Be, well, because it the rest of the films are fictionalized, and so it, you but and then you know how history goes. You know Hitler wasn't killed in a cinema. Yeah. In a, in a cinema, and and well, but it's he, just so radically different than how the, he actually did die versus with Sharon Tate. It's really like they went to the wrong house. Well, the or interesting the next thing house. is, I wonder if I did a a disservice to you. Well, so actually, let me back up because I haven't talked about my like. Yeah, you so, talk about your impressions. I remember a few years ago hearing, um, and I I forgot this until I until basically the day I went and saw Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. But I remember. A few years ago, hearing that Tarantino was going to do something involving the Manson family, and then I just forgot about that for mm-hmm. years, or for like two years, or whatever. Whenever they first announced it, and then I started seeing like the day I was going to go see the movie, I saw an article about Charles Manson um, and Watch My Time in Hollywood. I was like, oh yeah, that's sort of, and 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 I had already seen trailers because when we first saw the trailers, I didn't have any idea what the trailers for this movie were going to be. I knew it yeah. had something to do with filmmaking and i didn't know what filmmaking in the 60s i didn't know what um yeah. what leonardo DiCaprio's character was going to do or and that or was all interesting i thought too but i actually was not that intrigued by the trailers i was just only intrigued because it's tarantino and tarantino is yeah, a filmmaker that i enjoy so i didn't um but the, the trailers didn't get me and so then i went and saw them then the day that i went and saw it i had heard oh yeah it's as it has something to do with the Manson family, and then I then I w- went and saw it, and I enjoyed the movie quite a bit. Um, but I enjoy it, I think, in spite of the Manson connections and not because of them. Or I mean, like, now I enjoyed that whole part of the film where they're on the Manson like ranch. Yeah, I thought that was is interesting, and it made me wish that when they did end up at um, Leonardo DiCaprio's house, it was because they were hunting down Brad Pitt. Because he yeah, beat the, the shit out of that guy. So I the, think it, it would have been better if they had just, you know, ended up there because they were going after him. The tension during that scene was really excellent. Like, Tarantino knows how to ratchet up the tension. The scene where, where he's walking through looking for the old man. Yes, that, exactly. That, that we that all think scene. is probably dead in the back room. That doesn't really exist. But he did. That's um, very good tension, yes. I wonder how it would play and like, how well that movie will or at least that section that will work in a replay or in a rewatch because the tension isn't there um i think the performances probably would carry that carry the film for a second viewing yeah but i think um this movie does a lot of meandering um but all tarantino films it's sort meander. Of re- i mean they, they all do it sort of reminds me of like a, a richard Linklater film in a way um because you're just um you're just sort of existing with Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt mm-hmm. for the majority of the film. You don't know you're just like living with, and then with you've them got your, their lives. And you've got um, your narration that kind of skips ahead later on in the movie after Leonardo DiCaprio goes to the the European films and I mean it, it skips in time too. But where I, I started to say earlier is that I wonder if both of us would have enjoyed it more if we actually didn't know anything about the Manson family or didn't know what was fiction and what wasn't or and 
didn't let that play into it at all. Like, would we have found the film satisfying? Possibly. We, we, then I just would have been like, well, I guess this the girl who lived next door is lucky. That exactly. Like, I actually think the film would play better for me if I didn't know anything about it. Um, because as it stands right now, like the, I don't. Even though I like Margot Robbie and she's pretty hot, she's you know eye candy to look at, and she's a good, good actress. I personally, like my my personal opinion is that she didn't have anything to do in this film. Like we, yeah, I agree. There was nothing like her. Every scene with Margot Robbie could have been cut out, and well, I well, that's think what I'm saying. I, I, I think this would have been better as you could still keep it revisionist history, but just have it be that they like, like remove the coincidence that it's in the house at the house. Next now, door. I think for somebody who's into, and I know there are people similar to the way that you like, you are into a lot of true crime stuff, but apparently, but not Marilyn or not um, Charles Manson stuff. Um, there's people out there who are like Charles Manson. Um, sure. history buffs and they probably find all that stuff interesting but I don't and so they probably found you know Margot Robbie going to her the um, screening of the film and actually seeing real Sharon Tate footage yeah I thought that um, was cool how they put it in real Sharon I, Tate I, I, I liked it I didn't because it pulled me out of the movie because I'm like I'm watching Margot Robbie like 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 this isn't it's not Margot Robbie in the film no but I, I think they did a great job of casting her because she looked so much like her I mean I it, didn't. it looked just like her to me I didn't and if if she wouldn't have said I'm going to watch a movie with myself starring myself and like you know they make a big deal and she's by the poster and she poses by the poster if she just would have went to this movie and I would have no idea that it was Margot like because I don't think she looks like Sharon Tate because I don't really know Sharon Tate that well I don't know oh like, yeah I thought she and looked so just I like did, her I would it took me out of it. I, I didn't think she looked like Sharon Tate at all. And Damn. so it, everything with Margot Robbie didn't work for me. I mean, I didn't hate it. I, I mean, because, again, Tarantino's such a good filmmaker that almost any scene that he writes is, is um, and, and directs is has interesting things going on in the scene and in the frame and he's just, and the music he picks. It's always usually interesting. But, yeah, all of Margot Robbie stuff, I think, could have been could have been cut out. Um, who's who? Who who did, did you like better as a character, Leonardo DiCaprio or Brad Pitt? Uh, yeah, that's tough because I think I think Leonardo DiCaprio's character was more interesting, and he it it made him have a much deeper range um, of character because he was an actor and he's playing an actor, and then he had to actually act as well, so it was a little meta in in the film. And I, so I think from a performance standpoint, he. He had a better range and, and more of a performance. That being said, I, there's a subtle humor with Brad Pitt's character that I really enjoyed. He, he's kind of like your everyman. And the scene where he just kicks Bruce Lee's ass was awesome. I love when he throws him into the car. Yeah. Like, that was really good. Yeah, I pretty much liked every like everything with Brad Pitt. Like, when it wasn't... I like Leonardo DiCaprio a lot. He's always good. He's, a, he's mm-hmm. a, um, one of my favorite actors, actually. But... Uh, it was whenever whenever Brad Pitt wasn't on screen, I was I was like let's 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 get back to Brad Pitt's character. I didn't. Yeah, think... I just liked him as a character better. But I think that the the character that Leonardo DiCaprio was playing was just more interesting. Yeah, yeah, I I uh, I agree. I agree with you there. Um, so one other thing about the film that I enjoyed quite a bit was the 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 soundtrack. I wanted to say score, but it's really not a score. It's a soundtrack. There there's um, lots of songs that were picked and chosen from the 60s in the film, throughout the film, and Tarantino always does a really great job of, of having interesting music throughout his, his films, and I like this one so much that I bought the soundtrack. Yeah, I'm glad you bought the soundtrack, because I didn't, um, I, I didn't take notice of the soundtrack 
a ton during the movie. I mean, yeah, and it, it, it stuck was, out it was, to me. I was like bobbing my head throughout. It was really it it helped me actually stay engaged with the film because it's such a slow moving film that it it kept me in it. The music was good during the film, but there was no there was no music that stuck out to me where later I was like, oh, the music during that scene was awesome, or like or really... the Playboy scene I really enjoyed. See, I don't even remember the, I don't remember the music during that scene, but then. But then when, when we were playing the soundtrack in the car, I was like, oh, this is really good. Like, that's it's just a good, enjoyable, yeah. like, sort of like, sort of uh, 60s, 60s uh, music. I mean, you can't say you're nostalgic for it because neither one of us are really, like, we're not huge into 60s music or, like, grew up with it really. Yeah, I but... think you picked some of the some of the bigger artists and some of the better artists for the, for the film, and, and I enjoyed it. And the other thing that I, I like too is they've shot some of their own original commercials and all the trailers that they had to shoot for the different things that Leonardo DiCaprio's character was I know, in. that's why it's, and, it's and a, I liked that. I thought that, that was missed, interesting. That you didn't save through the credits because you missed out on one of the fake commercials yeah, that was I funny. Did. You should find it on YouTube. I don't I know. I, I'm curious if it's on YouTube. Talk, you Keep talking for a second. I'll look on YouTube and see if it's there. So another thing about the soundtrack is that it also includes some of the ads that play on TV and you know, I'm not one to really enjoy listening to the the extras on the album, but I did listen to some of the ads with the little jingles that they made and it really just keeps you in the time period and in the mind mindset and frame of mind that the, the film sets up. So I I liked that too. That was it was fun. We've already listened to that uh, soundtrack once once through and through on a on a recent road trip and I definitely see myself, you know, putting it on every now and then. I don't think the I, I don't think that end stinger is is in the movie. So we'll have to we'll watch that we'll movie again it. sometime. Um, what was I gonna say? There was something that I was just um, going to say. Oh, even though even though I said that I think the movie would be better if I did, if I actually didn't know the history of the Manson family. Um, that I I thought the end scene was pretty cool. Like they bust in, and I and I didn't know how it was gonna go. I didn't know if they were gonna. I didn't know because I've only seen it once, and so when I'm sitting in the theater, I knew that Sharon Tate gets killed in real life, but I didn't. I, I, I don't know the details surrounding it, so I didn't know if it was they pretty were, gory. I didn't know if they were going to stop at you know Brad Pitt's or Leonardo DiCaprio's house, kill Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio, then go over and kill Sharon Tate. I didn't know how this was going to go. Yeah, I I wasn't so, expecting them to go into Leonardo Leo's house. I was expecting them to go to the Sharon Tate house. And, I I had no idea how it was going to go. And stupid and so, me, like thinking it's tarantino of course he's not going to play out what actually happened i should have thought like he's going to change it up but I... well see i i sort of wish he either would i didn't see that's what I, i'm I was saying, saying that earlier I that's don't... why i think inglorious bastards did a better job because it's revisionist history but it's, it's it's so far off the wall it's so different than actual like you clearly know that that this film is i don't know if i would say it's better personally although we'll talk about that because we're going to rank we're, we're, we're going to rank the films but well, i'm just saying it does a better job of, of changing history i'm not sure but we'll get into that in a little bit the last thing i think i want to talk about with um once upon a time in hollywood is just my impressions of the ending um tarantino is always fairly gory in his films there's a lot of violence throughout in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I was surprised at actually how little violence there was and how little gore there was, with the exception of, of the scene at the Manson Ranch with uh, the beating. There was very little gore all the way up until the end. Now, he more than made up for that in the end scene. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed the sequence. I loved how they brought the dog into the fight. I loved the use of the dog can as a weapon and yeah, the mantle. Was, and the was... flamethrower callback. Oh, so good. It was fun to see the the... Um, 
the people breaking in getting just getting destroyed yeah, they just by get he was just like smashing their face in yeah so the, it, it was it was cool it was and, and it was just so funny too with leonardo sitting there in the pool floating with his headphones on and then all of a sudden he realizes shit is going down and he, he manages to get his flamethrower and torch that bitch's ass yeah i didn't see that coming i didn't see that flamethrower coming at all yeah it was great it was really good so i, I think that about sums up what my feelings for on once upon a time in hollywood yeah yeah so do we recommend people go see it well yeah but you could be listening to this years from now you might not even be in the theaters anymore <laughs> go see it rent it stream it figure out some other way to consume it in your ears and eyes so the next thing we want to do is rank the tarantino films the i what i put on my list we haven't seen each other's list is i put the his the 10 main films Counting Kill Bill Volumes One and Two as separate films, I only Although have they eight. They so been, I don't know what I'm missing here. They could have been Kill Bill One and Two could have been ranked as the same, just because one follows the next one. Um, so they could have been like they're they're adjacent to each other in my slots. Okay. Um, so why don't we? Do we want to start with ten, or do, do we want to start with the highest, or do we want to start with the lowest? Let's start with the lowest. And you have ten, and I have eight. So I'm missing Death Proof. That's not on my list at all. I think I saw that on the orders. There's something else along the way that you have that I don't. So my number 10 is... Oh, Pulp Fiction. That's the other one that I'm How missing. How did you forget? So do you need to read so your nine. list? No, because... No. Oh. I don't. So number 10 on my list and the lowest... And I guess let me preface this by saying that there is really no bad Tarantino film, in my opinion. I think they're all good to varying degrees. Um... But my number 10 is Death Proof. And, and Death, that's not even on my list. Death Proof is... Um, it's a full-length film. It's 90 minutes or so. And it's um, came out... I'm not sure. Like, Grindhouse came out in 2008. Actually, that might be a little bit later. But it's like... He had a double feature with Robert Rod- Rod- Rodriguez. And the double feature... Robert Rod- Rodriguez's um, piece of the... Of came was, out in 2007. Robert Rod- Rodriguez's um, film in that in that double feature was Planet Terror, and um, ooh, I'm intrigued by this uh, and, premise. I'm reading it on Wikipedia. And Death talk. Proof was Quentin Tarantino's piece, and the two films had fake trailers in between um, the two double feature. And so we, I never saw it as a double feature. I just I only saw Death Proof a couple years ago. Actually, I one 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 day while I was home, I always take time off between Christmas and new year i think one of those days i was home alone and i watched death proof and it's good it's got kurt russell and it's um an interesting movie um i'm not gonna give too much away but it it ends in a pretty long and pretty cool car chase um so it's it's fairly good but i think i personally put it as as the lowest and so that one's not even on your list well, I haven't seen it, so I can't rank it if I haven't seen it. Well, I, I guess you could say that it hasn't interested you enough to see it. So I didn't it, even know it existed until now. I mean, I knew Grindhouse existed. Yeah. I didn't know that was part of it, but but yeah. I just read the, the premise, and I'm, I'm intrigued. Yeah, I, I'd be very interested to see if you watched it, where it would fall on your list. I have a feeling it would be lower. Just well, knowing, don't, don't just taint my it. judgment. That might make it higher automatically, because we've, we've already said I think it's going to be lower. So. No. <laughs> it just is low... It's very low, um, I mean, on purpose, because it was supposed to be like a 70s grindhouse movie, but it's very low budget. It feels like a low budget. I mean, he did exactly what he was trying to do. He set out to make 
a movie that looks like it was filmed in the 70s with the budget of a of a mid-tier b-tier movie and i mean even c-tier movies of the 70s like he set out to make exactly what he wanted to make well it but sounds is, like he was successful in that so. but is that like if you set out to make a mediocre movie is it and you succeed in making a mediocre movie and it doesn't rise above being a mediocre movie like it, but it, in this case like it's it's tarantino mediocre so it's still worth worthy of a watch but it's definitely it's definitely like there's not even like a there, there's sort of like if i were to like if this was gonna if if all of my 10 were gonna be on a um like a, a rope with a distance between them for how some of these are super close and they could be even be flipped um depending on my mood but death proof is like there's like a pretty big gap between the other nine the mm-hmm. other nine and death proof so okay what's your last um my last is actually once upon a time in hollywood Oh, interesting. It's still a Tarantino film. It's still enjoyable, but it has the probably least amount of rewatchability for me. Okay. It's it's slow. It's long. It's long. It's plotting. I like the characters, but I just I don't see myself going back for it. I'll talk a little bit more about that once we get to where it falls on my spot in the list. Um, so my my next one, my number nine, is Jackie Brown. Um, go, go ahead. ahead. Oh, mine's Pulp Fiction. Okay, so Jackie Brown for me is, it's a movie where I just don't even care about the plot. It's been, it wasn't that long ago that we watched that movie, and I almost can't even tell you the plot of the, of the film. Now, while I'm watching it, I'm engaged because the way Tarantino films, it's, it's, the way he films this, it's, it's good, but that, that story doesn't even stick with me. I just know that there's a heist and they're at, um, they're at the mall towards the end, um, I know that uh, Rob, Robert De Niro is in it as like a weird mm-hmm. stoner. Yeah, I liked it. It was uh, who's got the money, who's double crossing, who, who's oh, going see, I where. Even, I don't even remember the plot, and it wasn't that long ago we watched it. Yeah, I enjoyed Jackie Brown. Jackie Brown is is further up in my list. Now, Pulp Fiction, I enjoyed a lot too, um, but there are there are stories within that that I enjoy better than others. So, as an ensemble, I'm you know I'm I'm ranking the the entire movie, but there there are subplots that I like better than other plots. And it's an enjoyable movie. I would go back and rewatch Pulp Fiction again, but relative to the other movies on my list, it's it's lower. And in terms of criteria, I'm thinking personally on rewatchability, some of the originality, just my own pure enjoyment of the film as yeah, a that's whole. Where I Those are things. That's that's how I'm ranking these things. It's, exactly. It's I'm, not cinematic quality. I mean, re- it's relative to each other. You know, which movies do I enjoy the best? Yeah, that's exactly how I did my list: rewatchability and just which movies that I enjoy the best although the, I, the order wouldn't be that much different if it was if i was ranking like what i thought the cinematic quality like uh, mm-hmm. this which one's the better movie versus uh my own pure enjoyment it'd be fairly close it wouldn't be exactly the i same. think mine would be a little different if i was focused more on like cinematography and score and, and those things too but i'm i'm focused mostly on, on rewatchability so my number my next one is inglorious bastards so is mine and that's one that i would probably put um, quite a bit higher is th- th- that is one that if we were ranking on cinematic quality mm-hmm. that I would put higher. But I, I don't. Too. It's rewatchability is. Um, we we actually just rewatched it last night yeah. while preparing now, for this Chris, list. Christoph Waltz is so good in that movie. He's good, but he isn't in it as much as I. This is only the second time we watched it, and I remember him being in it much more the first time we watched it. And, yeah. Um. So going going back to what you had said. Um, when, where we disagreed earlier is that you thought that the taking cinematic license with real life events works better in *Inglorious Bastards*. I, did, I, yeah. I don't agree, um, and that's a big part of my problem with the movie. Is it's 
is it's a cool ending, but you know that that's not how it happened. I mean, I guess, like, there's the idea of, like, living out, like, or, like, watching a fantasy. Like, you want to see Hitler and, and, and his, um, his um, second commands, like, uh, get killed. But I don't know. I feel like it might have worked better for me. Similar to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, it would have might have worked better to me if they didn't try to make it where it was Hitler and it was just it was just generic Nazis that were mm-hmm. coming to see a film unnamed like they could have been real or they could have been fake yeah and I I think I would have enjoyed it more but because I know that like Hitler didn't die that way it just pulled yeah. me out of it a little bit I guess I feel the exact opposite way because it's so weird and different from how Hitler actually died that it's it's just a fun story it's to me it's like the equivalent of reading one of those marvel what if comics in in the alternate universe or an alternate timeline i actually liked that it was so different from reality and i think that is most of my problem with once upon a time in hollywood is it's 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 so parallel i mean they're just right next door to what actually happened i mean it's completely different and they have a different house and they die and all that but i wish it had just been a different neighborhood even I mean, I guess, like... So so you and I just fundamentally are different. You, I, you prefer Once Upon a time, time in Hollywood because it's it's not as different from actual. No. And that's what bothers me that's about not, it. No, that's not why I like it um, more. So so we've already you already mentioned Pulp Fiction. I'll go... So my number seven was Pulp Fiction. So I'll talk about that briefly before we get to more Once Upon a Time and Inglourious Bachelors comparisons because of the... Um, but I like so Pulp Fiction was my number seven. Most people would probably put Pulp. Mo, most people I think put Pulp Fiction at number one. But I've always thought Pulp Fiction is overrated. It's a good movie, and I really like John Travolta and As do Sam, I. Samuel Jackson. Um, um, those are the parts about it that I. But like. I don't. And, and, but I don't. Everything involving Bruce Willis in that movie doesn't work for me. I don't care about Bruce Willis and the and. Um, I mean, you could say like some of the stuff that involves. I mean, all the stories are intertwined. So if you don't have Bruce Willis's story, then things don't like intertwine with the way that like the story would have to be. It wouldn't work without the Bruce Willis pieces. But those are my least favorite pieces of that movie. Um, I think my favorite uh, part of the movie is is the um, when they have to go to I forget who, uh, what, what what his character's name is, but Harvey Keitel's house to clean up the mess that they mm-hmm. that they made from shooting the guy in the car. Um, but that movie is that movie's good, and it was like the world's first introduction to Tarantino. But I actually didn't see it until later because we yeah, were, I didn't see it until we more were, recently. We were, we were young when when it came out. I think it came out ninety four, so that would have put us at what nine? Yeah, nine. And so I I remember seeing the cover. It's funny. Speaking of Pulp Fiction, I remember I, I would always see the cover for that movie though when you'd go um, to the movie store and you know browse the. Oh yeah, I rem- I remember it very and distinctly. I always, I always thought I guess just the lighting and the way that I don't know the. Um, um, what's your face? What's her? What's the Uma Thurman? Uma yeah. Thurman's the way that like the wig that she's wearing. I, well, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if it's a wig or not, but she's like laying in this bed. It's funny. I always thought she was Af- African American on on the cover. Like her skin tone is looked black. Oh. <laughs> so I was so I was surprised when I actually watched the movie and, and she was white. I was I was just funny because I always seen for years had seen this cover and I thought it was That's about funny. Just, a, just a black woman. Um, and so I don't know. I don't find the um. um like again, it's, it sounds like I'm being super critical, and I guess I am because that's what we're trying to do. Because like in the moment, I'm in, enjoying the films just because they're. He just has a way of. Kenny Lewis has a way of like pulling you into the his films, and, and and I think part of his pace is what does that is like you just get to know the characters because you see them some of the mundanity of the things that they do. Yeah. You, know, you see them driving, you see them eating fast food, you see them throwing away their trash. Like those are parts of films that that end up on the cutting room floor. 
from other directors, but with Tarantino, they're just hard to film. Yeah, and and I just don't care. I don't know. There's like a lot of parts of that movie that um, I find boring, like the, um, when Tarantino and Uma Thurman are dancing. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's a big. It's, it's like an iconic scene. Yeah, exactly. There. I don't, I'm not crazy about it, but so then getting so my next one is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which is so so again, it's above Jackie Brown, above Inglorious Bastards, above Pulp Fiction, and it's because. It actually, like, has nothing to do, like, I think that movie is probably fairly rewatchable, but not for anything involving the Manson family. Like, it's, if, like, like I think I mentioned this when we, were, when we were talking about it earlier. If everything involving the Manson family was cut out, I think I would enjoy the movie even more. Like, I, I just find it, it was, it was, I, I enjoyed living in, like, the world and seeing the day-to-day lives mm-hmm. of Caprio's character and Brad Pitt's character. Yeah. And, and so... There's not enough of that for me to want to rewatch it because there's enough enough other parts of it that I want to cut out. That's why it's lower on my list relative to yours. So, so going back to what you were saying though, like once upon a time in Hollywood is not higher up on my list because I mean I think it contributes to it that I knowing less about the Manson murders, like I don't know, I guess puts it higher, like a little bit mm-hmm. higher. But it's more just because I find those characters more interesting than. Any single character in Inglorious Bastards, and Inglorious Bastards is much more of an ensemble piece with all with with a lot of characters. Um, you have all of the Inglorious Bastards, and then you have the cinema owner, and there's a lot. There's just a lot. The cast of characters yeah. is higher. And he always has a in large cast of and so characters. None of them are as compelling or draw me in as much as as Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Fair enough. So my next two are kind of a tie, and it really just depends on my mood on any given day. So I'll just go with what I have in the bottom right now, and it's Kill Bill 2. I enjoy Kill Bill 2. It just it doesn't stand on its own without Kill Bill 1. And, and so that's why I think it's a little lower on my list. But I really like Kill Bill 2. It's it's a great you, movie, you and I would Bill rewatch Volume it. Do you have Kill Bill Volume 2 and Kill Bill Volume 1 separate? I do, yeah. Oh, I do. I have them separate. And Kill Bill Volume 1 I have further up on my list. Well, Kill Bill... Well, um... So my next is Reservoir Dogs. Um, I Reservoir Dogs is number five on my list, and I Reservoir Dogs is awesome. It's a uh, it's, it's more on mine. It's it's just an awesome movie. Like that's a movie where just the, the the premise of it having having this like you don't actually see the crime that they commit, you just see the aftermath of it, and the and Tim Roth as as an undercover police officer is just and all the I think all the performances are excellent in that movie even. From Michael Madsen to I, I already mentioned Tim Roth and uh, Steve, Steve Buscemi, um, like like I, I, I just think that movie is um, really really good. And so from basically my one through, one through five, by the way, could probably like six change through ten or yeah. six through ten are kind of set, but like my, my one through five could change. Um, I just how I'm feeling, but so Reservoir Dogs number five, and so my um, so. I'll, I'll. We're, we're off by one. Can I say my number five as well? So Because oh, sure. you have one more movie than I do. So I'm actually somehow one behind you because Kill Bill is number, my number six. Okay, I so, was just trying to catch up so we could talk about Kill Bill sort of together. So Jackie Brown is my number five. And I like Jackie Brown just as a complete movie. Yeah, I, that's, I, I find it interesting that it's it's higher up. It, that, that it's that I remember it, it's that. it's slow, but I remember finishing it and just being like, yeah, I liked it. I, you know, I, I enjoyed it start to finish. Yeah, and it's inner, yeah. and it's, it could flip-flop on any mm-hmm. given day with where I have Kill Bill. You mm-hmm. know, if I have just watched Kill Bill 1 and I'm rearing to watch Kill Bill 2, then Kill Bill 2 might be a little higher. But overall right now, Jackie Brown, I have just, just edging out Kill Bill 2. And I think it's because Kill Bill 2... If you just watch that and you haven't seen Kill Bill One on its own, it, it doesn't stand alone. Stand on its own. Oh, and th- yeah, that's that's interesting. You have it that high. I, 
we could probably have a whole another podcast discussing discussing um we should just go for a rewatch of it first (laughs) we probably should probably should so then now we're on number four so my number four was kill bill volume two and my number three was kill bill volume one so they they go in order like um I think Volume 1 is better than Volume 2, but they are side-by-side on my list. Yeah, I think Volume 1 is also better than Volume 2. I agree with you there. But the difference is, you have them side-by-side. I have two movies in the middle. Um, My number four is Reservoir Dogs. The thing about what I like about Reservoir Dogs is it's believable as something that actually happened in real life. The way that the characters interacted with each other after having committed a crime and, and the things that they do to each other and the way they talk to each other. It's very believable, and it just draws you in because you want to know, like, who did what and who's going to say what and do what to who. Like, it's, I, I hadn't thought about it that way. I just but really enjoy it. I hadn't thought about it that way, but that's a good point. It, it is, yeah, you, more so than maybe any of his other films. Yeah, you just um, feel like a fly on the wall, like, watching this whole thing unravel. And you're like, what, what shit's going to go down after, you know, what, what made them think that they could pull this off and then all get along after the fact? Like, that's, it's great. I agree. I agree. And so, talking about... Kill Bill. I think the Kill Bill boy movies are awesome. Um, there's been rumors for years and years that Tarantino would edit them together and just have one long film. And I believe he did that once and was like at like a special screening somewhere. Well, um, I, I was just reading I, I, in preparation for this. They were intended to be one to be long like film. Kill Bill. Yeah, they were filmed all and then together. Se- and one. then when it was four hours long, they separated it out. Yeah, that's why. That's why I think in Tarantino's mind, he only he, he still See considers it one. one film. So like. When he says like you know I have nine films, but really he has ten because they were, they, but they were they were released, um, I think less than a year apart. But they have very different feels. Volume one feels like a sort of like a live action mm-hmm. Japanese anime style, um, and and I agree that volume one is better than volume two, and volume two very much feels like a western. Yes, volume one is a special place in my heart because it was my first ever Tarantino film. And I remember watching it on a small little dorm room TV in my roommate's boyfriend's, you know, dorm room. And there was a whole group of us piled onto a futon watching this. And I was just amazed and in awe at this different... I'd never seen filmmaking like that before. I had never seen... I mean, the closest to it that I'd seen like that was probably um, Oliver Stone's um, movie. Uh, God, I can't remember that that Tarantino wrote. Oh, Natural Born Natural Killers. Killer. Which yeah. I so, had a, so I, I had, had seen a... Natural Born Killers a, a handful of times before mm-hmm. I saw Kill Bill. So, but that was probably the closest thing to, to Kill Bill as a film. And so, just everything from the music to the way it was shot and just the, the gore, I had never seen anything like that in the film. It just blew me away, and I loved it. Yeah, I have. Um, it's not my number one. It's I had to get a two, shout actually. out to Natural Born Killers on my list just because um, uh, Tarantino wrote it. But I very much consider Natural Born Killers an Oliver Stone film. But yeah, I, just I do too. To give a... Especially if you ever see the director's cut. Although it's very much in the same kind of violence vein as, as Tarantino. Although I, I, Tarantino films, I think, are better. But that's a movie I have to give a rewatch to. I don't. I haven't seen it in so long, so I don't remember the difference between the director's cut and the theatrical cut. I think we have them both on DVD. I don't. But I don't remember the differences between them. The main difference at the end is at the end of the prison scene. Oh, what happened? They um, cut the warden's head off and walk around with it on a stick. Oh, I forgot about that. Yep. Yeah, um, the warden is Tommy Lee Jones, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. So number three. Oh, I already did my, my, my number three was Kill Bill. Volume my number one. three is Hateful Eight. 
which we have not yet talked about. We haven't. Hateful Eight is, the cast in Hateful Eight, I think, is my favorite cast. It's my favorite cast of all of the casts. I think there's the most number of people that I really enjoy. I love Kathy Bates in that movie. Um, she's great. And what, what's Kathy Bates in that movie? Or am I thinking of her in Django? No. She's the woman. Oh, um, no, it, yeah, no, you're thinking, are you, you're thinking about the, the main, like, the prisoner in Hateful Eight? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'll, I forget her name, but it, no, it's not Kathy Bates. No, it's not, you're right. I'm, it's, I'm uh, thinking. what is her, she's an 80s, she's in, like, an 80s actress who sort of made a comeback and, um, oh, you're looking it up, but while you're looking it up, I enjoyed Hateful Eight, I saw it. I just really liked it. I saw it in the theater, and I loved it because it was, it was, um, I saw it in, like, the special Roadhouse showing where it was, uh, 70, 70 millimeter with an intermission, and it was, yeah, it's awesome because it was filmed in, in like, what's, what's really cool is Tarantino is so confident in his filmmaking that he filmed this movie and touted it as, like, one of the, like, a, a special, like, this is, like, the special wide, like, I nobody's filmed using these, these lenses and this camera for decades, and I'm gonna have mm-hmm. this, like, but bring then, it back. but then everything is set in like one, in in in, in a cabin. Like you think that like, well, it's gonna be the super wide movie. You're gonna have like these awesome vistas and like cool shots of scenery or nature or mountains or whatever. But and they're all, all stuck in one place. Yeah, it's a super wide movie that's set in like it could be a stage play. It could be a four three movie, but they filmed it in extra super wide. I forget the ratio, but it's 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 uh super wide. And so that yeah, that movie is that movie is awesome. I love the performances. Kurt Russell is is great in that movie, and it's just fun. What are you looking up? Oh, I, well, because I I said I love Kathy Bates in it, and then she's not actually in it. So then I sound like a dumbass. So I'm I was trying to figure out what it was that I've seen Kathy Bates in that I'm thinking of, and I, I don't know. Oh, I, I figure don't know. It out. But yeah, I, I really like the movie, and I, I love the cast. But well, well, if, 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 we should give a shout out to to her name um, to the to the actress who's. Shoot, it's not my tongue. Um, but everybody else, everybody is um, good in it. Samuel L. Jackson is is great. And I don't know about you, but I thought for the whole first time that I saw it, until it's revealed, I thought that he um, actually had that letter, that letter from Lincoln. Oh, but yeah. I was surprised to find out that to find out that he didn't. Um, it's and, just it's it's fun, and it's it's. Um... You know who's gonna kill who, and who's who's mad at who, and who's oh, double crossing who. Jennifer kind of Jason Lee. Yeah, that's um, who I've seen her in lots of things, but I can't think of much. I mean, she was in Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Although I know you you haven't seen Fast Times. I have um, not. No. Nope. But you would know her. I think she played. Um, I think she played the sister to the main character in Weeds. Um, mm-hmm. But she was she was really good. She, yeah, she's really good in that movie. Yep. Um, yeah, Hateful Eight could flip-flop. Um, Hateful my, my my number one is Django Unchained. And, Mine as well. And Hateful Eight could flip to, to that. And um, Yep, so that's that's my number three. It sounds like that's actually your oh, number what's two. What's your number two? My number two is Kill Bill, number one. Volume one, Kill Bill, volume one. Okay. Like I said, it's got a special place in my heart. And its its partner is, is down somewhere around five or six. But it's not because it's a bad movie. It's just there are other things that I, that I would see myself watching first. It's interesting that they're um, separated because in my head, even though I would have a hard time, like even though even though I recognize that they are very different films with very different tones, 
even and, and even though I do think of them, unlike Tarantino, I do think of them as two films. I feel like no matter what, where I place them on the list, they would always be side by side. Because um, I'm not really watching one without the other usually. I mean, we haven't yeah. we haven't done a rewatch in a while, but I think it's totally valid. To... And, well, and I think it's separate for me just because I watched number one on its own. I didn't watch. I did eventually watch number two, but it's maybe a few weeks later. Or, you know, there's there's oh, yeah. time well, passage. Well, there's a huge amount of time because I saw number one. Oh, I didn't mention this, but number one has a special place in my heart because we had um, it came out shortly after college for our, our freshman year started and we didn't know each other our freshman year we didn't meet until a couple years later but um i think it came out that september of freshman year and me and my my roommates and i went and saw that uh i had two roommates and we went and saw that movie all together and um yeah so the, I, I have good memories of seeing that the first one in the theater and then i don't remember um yeah and then i didn't see the second one until it came out in the theater whenever it was. I'm not sure how far apart they were released, but maybe mm-hmm. a year. So, yeah, there was a huge amount of time. There was a huge time passage for me as well. I didn't yeah. see them. It sounds like you saw them even closer together than I did because um, I saw them. It, it was theater to theater. Like, um, when How much time passed between Volume 1 and Volume 2? I don't know. You talk for a second and I will... Well, and the reason I ask that is because I saw Volume 1 um, also freshman year so did you see it in the theater no i saw it in dorm room that's why i, I couldn't have seen volume two anytime recently thereafter from the way it's, from the sounds of it it wasn't out yet unless they were released in short order in the similar fashion that there's like only six months between seven and movie seven and eight for harry potter i'm a harry potter fan there will <laughs> eventually be a harry potter podcast Definitely. by the way so it looks like Kill Bill Volume 1 was released on September 23rd, so it was right after we started college. Uh, yeah, so and so I September watched it 23rd. later on that year once it came out on, um, I guess it would have been DVD. Probably watched it right after it came out. And then Kill Bill Volume 2 came out... Um, Kill Bill Volume 2 came out... The actual release day, it was April 8th. So actually, it wasn't a full year. It was only, um, what, seven months between them. Yeah. Um, closer than I thought, but... Well, Volume 2 would have been some some amount of time later for me to have watched it, because by the time it came out on Blu-ray, I know I didn't see it in the theater, and by the time it came out on, on DVD, well, it would it have been se- sophomore year by it, then, so... Well, yeah, that's true. I was so going to say, it could I, have been... I actually don't remember when I saw it. Yeah, if you didn't see Volume 2 in the theater, because I was going to say, no, you I could have saw... You could have saw Volume 1 on video and then went to the theater to see Volume 2. I didn't. I remember but. seeing Volume 2 in, in someone's house. I just don't remember exactly when or where. So, interesting list. So, that was... So, number I, one. Let's talk about Django a little bit. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. We, we, we I, both I, agree I on number one. one. Yeah, I liked um, Django. I thought uh, um, I, Jamie Lee Fox's... Or, <laughs> <laughs> Jamie Fox. Jamie. <laughs> I'm combining Jamie Fox and Jamie, Jamie Lee, Lee Curtis. Curtis. <laughs> Jamie Foxx's performance is awesome. I thought Christoph so Waltz good. was yep. uh, way better in this than he was in Inglourious Bastards. And Leonardo DiCaprio is great, too. That's Even though his character is an asshole. I mean, he's I good he in it. Yeah, yeah, he's in character. Like, the slave Leonardo owner. Leonardo is... He, like, there's, he hasn't, has he ever Samuel made a bad Jackson's movie? Samuel Jackson's good in this, too. No, Leo has not made a bad movie. I don't think. Oh, I've never seen The Beach, and I've never seen like The Aviator. Oh, The Aviator. There's really a few of his movies I haven't seen, which I Aviator's Really good. I, need, I need to see Aviator because well, I'm sure we 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 could do a uh, uh, um, Leo movie. Well, we could do a uh, Scorsese Scorsese director list. Yeah, and, uh, Aviator's good for sure. Although um, the the one where he's a psych patient on, on like Skull Island or whatever, oh. that one's not my favorite. Although he's still good in that too. 
Yeah, which one is that? That's also Scorsese, and it's got um, it's got Mark Ruffalo. Um, Sc- um, Shutter Island. Shutter Island. That's Shutter the one. Island. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Although um, that that'll take us on a tangent road. So Django and Chain well, is no, very good. Well, I don't have much to say about Shutter Island because I don't I don't even remember. I remember just not being that big of a fan of it. So yeah. I actually don't have much to There's talk about. There's plot twists associated with it too. But. I don't remember what are the well we want to talk about. It. I don't remember the plot twist. Well, I don't. Spoil me. I don't remember. No, we'll talk about it. Later. No, I want to know. No, because I don't really remember exactly what it was. I just oh, remember there just, was a big plot twist. With so it. even though you said you're like, you well, I think I know what it is. <laughs> so I don't have like I don't have anything to talk about Shutter Island. But so so with Django, it's that movie is just. I can still, like, think... We saw it in the theater, together, mm-hmm. actually. So I think that was my first Tarantino in the theater film for me. Because I, I think that was the first one I ever saw in the theater. Yeah, because we, we watched the Glorious Bastards in a hotel room. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it probably was the first. No, yeah, since you didn't see the Kill Bills. Yeah, so... Right. Um, and I just I just really liked it. I mean, the music's great. It's the music's really it's more of a score there than, than it is a soundtrack. The performances are, are excellent. Um, just the... The the story of Jamie Foxx's being a slave and then going on the hunt to find his to find his wife and and, and then uh, seek revenge. It's sort of it's sort of interesting. It's sort of like you and could, Samuel Jackson's really good in that too. You can sort of think of Django Unchained and um like if you remember that movie Twelve 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 Years a Slave. Mm-hmm. It was sort of like like um. Like, like a gory mirror, version of that. Well, like like mirror images are like you know one in the same way that like um, Inglorious Bastards is like a you know a, a fictional fantasy about um, like killing the biggest mass murderer in history. You think of Django as like a, sort of like a the slave the Af- African American slave version of that. So. Are you about ready to wrap up? I think so. Those are our lists. We disagree on most things, except number one, no. but that's okay. They're all really close, I'd yeah, say. Yeah, that's true. So. What's the biggest? I, I think the biggest... Jackie Brown and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood are probably the biggest differences. Well, but Jackie Brown, or Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is still only, like, number six on my list or yep. something, but I, I do recommend it more than you, I think, given our discussion, but yeah, I don't find Jackie Brown um nearly as rewatched so yeah that's probably the biggest difference but then we have the biggest like our our number one is is the same we both uh mm-hmm. like our, our number one is, is, is the same and then we well even our bills. top three are about the same yeah that's true that's true so th- this was fun this was fun so we're not always gonna have uh rankings we 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 want this show just to be just expressing and uh celebrating our geekiness so we're gonna talk about movies and we are yeah, and if there's anything that you're interested in us talking about, go ahead and write in. Our email address is talkinggeek at gmail dot com. No G at the end of talking. No, so, it's it's wait, wait, what did you say our email was? Talking geek. Talking, it's talking geek podcast. Oh, okay. At, at gmail dot com. Talking geek podcast at gmail dot com. No G in talking. Yes, exactly. And then we're on Twitter uh, at talking geek, but we don't have. As of right now, we haven't done anything with it. We we claim the Twitter name, but we're not doing anything. Well, with go it. ahead and tweet at us. That'll, maybe <laughs> yeah. that'll get us something yeah, running. Yeah, yeah. But we're gonna we'll, we'll talk ideas. We'll talk all things com- like well, not all things, but like lots of comic book talk because we both like comics. Uh, I think we want to have. Um, and if it's not that we don't want to touch the news, if there's a controversial news topic or something, who knows? Maybe we will talk true, about true, it. True, but, true. but we're not going to be the source for the most yeah, up-to-date gonna, news. We're not going to feel like we got to cover the news. Yeah. We're going to talk about what we want to talk about. That's sort of why we got burned out so quickly before. If we weren't talking about what we wanted to talk about, we were talking about what we felt like we had to, which was the news. And yep. So we had talked about. Well, we're probably going to have a lot of internal talk on this podcast. 
I don't know how there many episodes. There will be Ninja Turtle it talk could be like coming. A se- it could be a series within like this podcast because we had we had uh, talked about for months and months starting up a Ninja Turtles podcast because we are huge. Both of us are huge Ninja Turtle geeks, and got to give a shout out to the IDW run that's currently going on. And so we'll be talking all about Ninja Turtles at some point. Um, probably all things geeky. We're getting back into it. We haven't done this podcast in a long time, so. Thanks for listening. Thank you.